Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Work Green, Earn Green. I'm your host, Jay Tipton. This week's episode is a special one because in honor of Earth Day, I'm taking a little detour from my state-by-state journey to have a different type of conversation about the green economy. Instead of talking to a handful of various peeps, I'll be going head-to-head with just one. And what better guest to join me than my green BFF, Paula DePerna. For the most loyal listeners who have caught every single episode, you know by now that Paula is an absolute staple of this series and a fan favorite. Because in fact, I've actually received a lot of direct messages from listeners telling me how much they want more Paula. Well, I'm giving the people what they want. So Paula, thank you for joining me today on this very special Earth Day episode. Well, thank you. I love to be called a staple and I'm happy to chit chat anytime with you, Jay. It's always fun. All right, let's go. So to kick this convo off, I'll start with a simple question. When you hear the term Earth Day, what does it mean to you? So like the whole thing is about integration with Earth and economy. This is a day of notability. And it was the beginning of environmental consciousness, if you want to call it, back in the 70s when none of us were thinking about any of this stuff, just a few people. And that was that Mm -hmm. iconic photo from space. Ah, yes. The blue marble. Fun fact, by the way, it is actually one of the most reproduced images in history. Now, Paula, I've heard through the grapevine that you don't really like the term Earth Day. Is that true? It's not that I don't like it. It's just that it's passe. We just don't have enough words to match our predicament right now. And that's why I think it's great to have Earth Day. I think it's really important, but we have to change what happens on Earth Day. We have to change what it means. If we think of this as just one day, like your birthday, you know, it's your big day. I love my birthday. I always do something special about it, but I don't do it every day. And so this is not Earth's birthday. Touche, touche. I want to keep rolling with this idea of the meaning behind words, though. So I think it'd be kind of fun to talk about some other words or phrases related to the green economy that are either misinterpreted or perhaps overused. So what do you got? sustainability. Well, you know, it has a kind of meaning where stuff doesn't run out, but there's also use of it as an adjective, sustainable consumption. Well, that's like a complete contradiction in terms, literally. So it's not, I mean, I think (laughs) all, all these words, you have to kind of look at what they're trying to get across. They're shorthand. You know, the green economy is shorthand, but I was just on a discussion about the ocean and you could argue that the green economy, you know, people think of trees and they think of earth, they don't think of the oceans. So, you know, considering the thousands of words that are in the language, we're pretty short on the right ones. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I definitely feel that way about sustainability. I mean, of course, it has many different uses. Like go up to somebody and be like, hey, can you define the word sustainable for me? And most people are just kind of like, uh, but of course they're buying sustainable products or investing in sustainable stocks or things like that. But that word has just gotten way overused to the point where it loses its value. If you apply it to every single thing and say, this is sustainable product or you know, this is a sustainable way of living, then where's the definition? Because it is a, a very wide-ranging word, but it's certainly not a one-size-fits-all. Right. And as I said, there's no real definition of sustainability. I mean, originally, sustainable development was kind of a cool definition, which was meeting the needs of the present generations while not foreclosing the options of future generations, 
which means you don't eat up everything. It's a kind of a starting point, the original definition. But now sustainable itself has come to mean almost anything people want to associate with environmental. And I just think that we have to be careful about finding terms and putting terms on all of this. And, you know, another term I really don't Mm -hmm. like is carbon pollution. Carbon pollution is a dumbed down version of greenhouse gas emissions. And greenhouse gas emissions is six gases and they go up into the atmosphere from the burning of fossil fuels. Now, we don't all have to remember all six, but in order to get the public concerned about climate change, people started using carbon pollution, which there is no such thing. First of all, it's carbon dioxide. And secondly, we should all learn that it's greenhouse gas emissions. And I get it, it's shorthand. But, you know, we can't shorthand all these things. This is like a transformational moment. And it'd be cool to be able to say what we mean. But, you know, I digress. The world no longer says what it means. Everything is sugar-coated. Another term we hear all the time is net zero. And there's a lot of misconception and confusion about what net zero actually means. And so that's one that I think that we need to strengthen as well and make sure that companies, countries, big polluters understand what that is and how to get it right. Because if not, then we're aiming at a moving target, I think. Well, yeah, net zero has a mathematical meaning, but how you get to the mathematical result is a debate. But net zero means uh, you don't emit anything after all is said and done. Your footprint is zero. Where all the net zero stuff goes off the track is when people say they're going to be net zero by 2050. You know, people might fly by 2052. 2050 is a nice objective, but no one owns it. No one has responsibility for it. I mean, when I hear the word net zero come out of a CEO's mouth or a leader's mouth, what I actually hear is them saying, I'm going to let the next person figure it out, right? Right. Yeah. Anything for 2050 is essentially kick the can. Although, you know, it's inspiring to some people, but when you really sit down and look at it, it's 2022 and in 2050, that's what, just a little less than 30 years from now? But, you know, all these words (laughs) are important because they're inspirational. They set a, a goal. They get you to the starting line. Right. Yeah. And are there any other words that you do like or find more inspirational than some that are being used in current conversations? I like some other words like precious. Water is precious. Precious is a word everybody likes. It's a very meaningful word. Something's precious. What does it mean? It means that if you really don't want to lose it. So sometimes I think we should just go back to our own vocabulary and back to people's languages. There's so many words in various languages for the preciousness of natural resources and the rarity of them that sometimes a word like sustainable kind of makes it all a big blur. Right. I often switch climate change with climate crisis because there is such great urgency and we're ticking towards midnight. It feels like we're doing ourselves and the climate a disservice by saying climate change versus climate crisis because it's getting worse very quickly. We're running out of time. It's not just a change. We're in crisis mode. So I'm curious how you think about that. Yeah, well, I mean, it is a crisis. But then again, how many times can people respond to a crisis? I mean, that gives people a jolt. But people have crises every day. It's a crisis if your daycare center doesn't open and you have to take your daughter to daycare and you don't know how to get her there. You know, I mean, people have different kinds of crises. So I think it's a very important term and it's not interchangeable with climate change, but it's a real problem because these things are crises and they are big threats and they are frightening and they must be addressed. But what we've been talking about with green jobs is this is a kind of an upside. We can all be happy to think that we could be employed in addressing the crisis. 
and the whole green jobs piece is quite exciting. I mean, the original Earth Day, there was no talk of jobs, and now it's becoming more and more the linchpin of how to get people, one, excited and how to deal with the downside of other things that have been happening, especially COVID. Right. No, you're right. Absolutely. I mean, certainly anything that evolves changes, right? And you know better than I. I don't know what the conversations about Earth Day when it is connected to green jobs were 20 years ago, but it's certainly in the last couple of years, much more prevalent outside of our podcast, which is killing it, by the way. It's a point of conversation, no doubt. People are thinking about it. People are connecting with it. It is definitely a theme that is there. It's an option that people strive for or try and switch into. And when you look at it the way that you just put it, that is very positive, definitely. And so you know, if it takes Earth Day for us to be sitting here talking about green jobs, then cheers to that. We could rename it Green Jobs Day. There's taking yeah, I like that. There's, Day, there's you know World Water Day. There's all these days. Maybe we should just uh, declare Green Jobs Day. That's a great idea. I'm gonna write to my senator. There you go. The problem is they never respond to me. Oh well, whatever. So let's switch directions here and talk a bit more about how Earth Day has evolved over the years. So it started in 1970, which means this would be the 52nd Earth Day. Since the time that I've been really dialed into environmental issues, I've noticed a change in talking points when it comes to Earth Day. But you've been in the game much longer than I have. So I'd love to hear how you've noticed the conversation around Earth Day shift throughout your career. Yeah, boy, I didn't myself realize that Earth Day was uh, 52 years old. But I think, you know, going back to the green jobs focus in various states and the illustrations that we've been finding, companies here, companies there. I mean, it sort of makes the point that every day is now Earth Day, and not because we think about the planet every day. It's because the economy now is not only greener, but increasingly dependent on the protection of natural resources. Yeah, I think that's a really crucial point. Whereas Earth Day started back in the 70s with people who were super passionate about nature and less focused on big business, Now it's kind of really come full circle because big companies and our global economy rely on what nature can continue to provide. We've learned from an economic point of view that the economy is very much dependent on addressing environmental waste, improving energy efficiency, this gigantic transition away from fossil fuels that have disrupted the climate so much. So it's very integrated into the economy. And I would say that Earth Day now is a planetary must every day. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And on this podcast, that's kind of what we're discussing, right? Is like, we're in this transition period where this is all tied into the economy. And so I'm wondering how you've seen this growing awareness actually impact our economy and how that specifically ties back to jobs. A couple of years ago, I think it was one in nine dollars was screened by investors for environmental or social or governance impact. Now one in three dollars is in the United States. So that's, again, a tremendous growth in the awareness of the link between environment and economy and how that link gets expressed in jobs creation. So this is the time to think of reindustrialization, a whole new d- definition of what money is for and how we use it and where we apply it, our own personal money, our invested money, our public money, our tax dollars. You know, it's really a time to redefine economic purpose. And if we can redefine economic purpose as environmentally beneficial or the economic purpose of our lives is to protect and maximize the value of the gifts 
that we have. That is transformational and very exciting and very um, uplifting in a way. Yeah, it is uplifting. And I think it's possible, Paula, because anything that helps bolster our economy is also going to be tied to job growth. So technically, embracing a greener economy is a way of ensuring our livelihoods. At least that's the way I like to look at it. Totally. Here, here to that. And as we keep on moving through these states and seeing the expression of all this, it's kind of fascinating. I mean, we've turned up a number of really cool and interesting topics in small towns, big towns, and uh, we'll keep on doing that. And uh, who knows, we'll end up maybe doing the whole country. That's the goal. Let's do the whole country. Exactly. But yeah, thank you for joining. This was a cool, extra special episode where we got to kind of talk about all of it. So always love having you. Always love chatting. You always get me thinking about certain things that I haven't thought about before. So that I appreciate. Thank you too. Your feelings mutual. Thanks again. And thank you, awesome listeners, for tuning in to our Earth Day episode of Work Green, Earn Green. I hope the change of format was fun for you all. But don't get too comfy with it because next week I'm back on the road in the virtual tour bus to continue the countrywide journey. Once again, I'm turning south down to good old M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I Mississippi. So buckle up. And you've heard me say it once. You'll definitely hear me say it again. But make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and share with your friends and family. Finally, make your way to WorkingNation.com to find additional content on green jobs. There is a ton of other great stuff that dives into the world of green. Later days. This podcast is produced by Alicia Clark and executive produced by Melissa Panzer, Joan Lynch, and Art Bilger. It's written by Jay Tipton and Mike Zunick. Edited and sound mixed by Linz Florin. The assistant editor is Meng Fang Yang. Talent producer is Emily LaLuce. Music is by Avocado Junkie. And this podcast is made possible by the Walton Family Foundation.